Hi, this is Lowell Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. And this is Budgie, co-founder of The Creatures, drummer with The Slits, and Susie and the Banshees. Welcome to Curious Creatures. Life after punk. You may think you know the territory, but we drew the map. For me, 76, we were, we were young little punkies, you know, just starting. And uh, I was, I was 76, I was 17. So, you know, I had, I had the jacket, my, my dyed orange jacket with no change stenciled on the back and some rips and pins in it and stuff and a, a pair of uh, pants from, mm. uh, from uh, the uh, jumble sale, which is like garage sale and uh on you know the thrift store and and some pointy boots i think i bought my first pair of pointy boots so i had to have the album to go with it and the album that went with that was the clash's first album because uh when i got that everything kind of fell into place you know i mean i didn't live that far from uh Westbourne Grove or wherever, Notting Hill Gate. I wasn't that far from it. You know, it was like a little ways on the train and I'd been up for the Notting Hill Gate carnival and stuff. And, you know, with, with Pearl, we went up there together. We were like 17. And um, so when that album came out, I realised when I first looked at it of um, that particular carnival that I went to. And, and it's... What the, the yeah, Notting Hill yeah. Gate and and uh, it's either that or it's okay. I think it is I think it's from that because it's like that carnival I went to things kind of started going awry halfway through the carnival uh, between the police and the local youth and um, me and uh, me and Pearl being youngsters legged it legged it very <laughs> fast to the uh, the underground tube station and got on a tube and came home and then saw it all on the TV and we were, you know, it was a little frightening to be honest, but, um, you know, if I looked at the back cover of that album, that's a picture from that event. And I always say to people, you know, the Clash's first album, they go, oh yeah, yeah. The one with the, th- the three of them on the front. Cause they, Tony Chimes, the drummer at the, at the time before Topper got there, it wasn't, wasn't actually sort of like permanent band member. I don't think so. They had the three guys on the front, they had Mick Jones, Joe Strummer, and Paul Simonon, and I said, well, if you flip that over, you look on the back of that album, I'm in that picture. And I go, really? And everybody looks at it, and you can't really tell who's in the picture. You can see some sort of policeman, because it's like, you know, it's sort of graphicked out a bit. But um, in my mind, I am in that picture. I'm in there. You're in you know, there. I mean, mentally yeah. and spiritually, I, I was in there. So, you know. Which is, is there a standout track from that album? The one Is there the one that grabbed you and really yes garage land because that to me is yeah we're a garage band band. we come from garage land and i mean it very very simple rhyming couplet but uh, i i kind of uh i got it all from that because you know we we were starting off as the cure we weren't really you know in the garage well we were sort of adjacent to the garage adjacent you know and uh Robert's parents had, had built this sort of extension on the house, uh, which I guess they were going to have, you know, family get-togethers in, and we just sort of moved in, 
you know, we're like, can we practice in there? And they went, okay. And we just went in. And, and so we were there for three years, for the next mm. three years, like three times a week, you know, bashing out stuff. And so... What, what, what had you been listening to before The Clash? Before that album? If you like, if you like, what would have been that before that album arrived? What would be the last thing that was? Well, I think the, the first sort of serious album I bought, you know, because I I had an album that I got from the back of a cornflakes packet when I was about ten. I think it was Lawrence Welk and his orchestra, and you know, it was Moon River. So I wasn't really listening to that, you know. My sister had spent a year in. Um, Switzerland, and she'd bought some Beatles records. So when she came home, she gave me her old record yeah. player and her old German Beatles records, which had a sort of different thing in the middle. And uh, so I learned about the Beatles from that. But the first record I bought that was really my uh, own and and my own choice, and I sought out was uh, Jimi Hendrix, Axis Boulders Love, and. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so we're going 60, back. That was like, like to late, late, late sixties. Obviously, I didn't buy it in sixty-seven because I, I would have been eight. You know, there's no. no way that that would happen. No, they wouldn't let you in the shop. Are you old enough to come into this shop, young boy? You can't have that one anyway because it's it's got a naughty cover. Ah, well, yeah, that's allowed. the thing. See, it, I I bought it partly because it didn't have the naughty cover on the version I bought. I had a track reissue. You remember that label track, and it was okay. green. It was just a green cover, and and it had Jimi Hendrix experience, uh, and it was the same album without the the you know the cover with all the Carly and all that stuff going on. Um, it was a pound as well. It cost me a pound, one pound. Wow. I mean, I listened to that album. I think I've told you this story where a friend of ours was a little gang of us up in uh, St. Helens, and. This guy's parents had left, so all that was left in the house, an empty house, before they all moved out, was his uh, record record deck and a pair of headphones, no speakers. And we used to put, like, uh, now it is uh, Electric Lady, and it's that the one that has uh, Rainy Day, Dream Away. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's we used to, wow, wow, wow. And we used to sit and just listen to that in this empty house. It was just, a, like, just that, I suppose, the, the whole uh, episode of it. But um, The Clash album this this is where like we were that that couple of years yeah. difference in age there i'd already like so i'd left home i was in a, a bed right. sit in liverpool and i think i had a like a, a radiogram or something that my my dad had dropped off it was like literally almost a, a wind-up <laughs> gramophone yeah it, it right. was a wooden cabinet that yeah. you could store records in. It was you plugged yeah. it in. It was a, an electric thing. It wasn't right. it wasn't a winder, but right. it looked like an old one, and it was old. My uncle had one of those. My uncle had one of those with um with an old radio on it that you could get like Radio Moscow on and stuff. Yeah. you know, all kinds of things. But I remember because I mean, being in Liverpool, it felt like a long way away. So it was kind of like still a distant thing. It, you know, we there were there were tight rustlings of London. Yeah. and punk um, and I don't know if I bought that album but I certainly had a copy in the flat head that came out on the jukebox in the college we had the Stranglers Yeah, it was like go buddy go and right. get a grip on yourself and and there was still like a little bit of like urban myths surrounding the Stranglers, the Clash yeah. the Pistols of course yeah, because they hadn't got out of London yet no that was yet that was yet to be once like the first album came out. The Damned had got an album out, but the Clash yeah. 
seemed to be the one that somehow carried the more more weight somehow or more uh, more uh, what's the word more gravitas yeah i was going to say gravitas and, and they're more real they were real more real yeah, yeah i think yeah. so uh, the track stood out for me was is it Janie or Jenny Jones? Jenny Jones, yeah. Jenny Jones. Jenny Jones. And we're saying this this is on the on the album is 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 his album name is Tory Crimes, but it's Terry Chimes. Terry Chimes, right? yes, yeah, yeah. And I, I see, I, I had no idea who who they were, but I heard this drum beat, yeah, and I just thought that's a killer drum beat. Yeah, wanted to do that drum beat. Actually, harks back to. A track on Clear Spot on B Farts. Right, right. It's funny you should say that, uh, you know, with the drums and that, because Terry Chimes, yeah, I liked a lot of what he did. And I had a, a drum teacher for a little while back there. Yeah. And then I bought him the Clash album one one Saturday morning, because I used to go around to his house Saturday morning, and I brought it to him and I said, uh, here, Andy, you know, like you do. Get, get your get your head round this. Get your head round this and teach me how to play some of these, and which he did, you know. So uh, he's like, what, what do you want to learn these for? And I said, well, because this is the kind of music I like. And he's like, oh, okay. And uh, off we went, you know. But, um, yeah, that was really it's, it. Yeah, I'm trying to think, if I'm thinking back to, like, how I first heard it, there was a lot of punk in yeah. inverted par- parenthesis. You yes. know, like, you know, punk rock is fast. Yeah, boom, jam, boom, jam, boom. Jam. This was, I mean, Jenny Jones, Jenny Jones was was like that kind of beat, but there yeah. was a lot of uh, less, I don't know, uh, not so thrashy. It's like the Pistols were not really fast at all. They were no. kind of a bit more, you know, rocky, rock. Yeah. yeah. So it was a lot to do with the lyric content. Yeah. Then the 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 delivery from Joe Strummer. Yeah. I mean, that was the thing. I mean, I, I remember hearing an interview with, with Joe and he was going, he was talking, I think he was talking to Nick Kent on the underground. They, they recorded mm. this interview and uh, he, he said, it's like, you know, we listen to like a lot of Jamaican music and he said, you know, he said, you don't really need to understand what they're saying because if 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 you don't understand what they're saying, you know, you're not going to get it anyway. You're not going to understand. So, mm, like with mm. Joe, sometimes you know, I look up many years later. I look up the real lyrics to songs, you know, and I realise, well, okay, I can see that Joe was singing that, but you know, you sure as hell could understand it, you know, linguistically at the beginning. But I understood yeah. the feeling. I understood the feeling, and that's what made it for me. You know. Yeah, I, I, it's funny. I was just thinking of this the other day, sitting here in Germany, thinking about albums that were made here and artists that come from around here. Yeah, like DAF, Deutsche Amerikanische yeah. Freundschaft, yeah. and and all all of their albums were sung in German. Yeah, B- but you 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 didn't like miss it. You didn't kind of go, oh, I don't get the meaning of this. You know, yeah. it was like. Uh, it was just a simple word, a word that you go, yeah. you're okay. You, you, I might not know the exact meaning or context, but you got the, the message. Yeah, the idea, the message, yes, that's it, it's the yeah. message. And I think that was um, the first album that I actually understood that. But let's, let's maybe delve a little deeper then. So you you, you got a hold of a, your grubby little hands on a copy of the album. Yes. Yeah. You played it till you knew all the words. I knew all the words, uh, and that, made me made me want to go and like yeah they they were standing on the front cover the front cover you know to any teenage boy looks like the business you know it's like 
yeah, I get what they're saying. I, I, I just need to see them standing there. That's enough. Yeah, know? they made it. They made their own shirts. They made that. They they they, yeah. they splattered them with paint. They yeah. put like uh, you know bits of the lyric on them. Yeah. Whereas like the pistols were, you know, kind of dressing out of Vivian Westwood and Malcolm McLaren's shop. Right. You know, these were like clothes you couldn't afford. Right. Right. So I made myself. The, a, a piece of clash clothing which is what's my no change jacket because i had this jacket and i i dyed it like this bright orange color and i and i stenciled yeah. i stenciled no change on the back you know and uh that was it that was my, that was my... i'm reminded of a wonderful scene in anton corbin's film um control yeah when um ian curtis like steps out of his house with his uh his p his pea jacket on, you yeah. know, his, his black. And then you, you, so the camera's in front and then as he walks away down the street, you know, so the camera stays and you see the back of it. And it's, I think it says like no future or something yeah. like that. But it's just like white paint on the back. Yeah. Very. Yeah, we had to do it. We had to do it. You know, that was it. That was it, how you got the badge, you know, the badge to identify yeah. yourself, you know, to other people. Because, you know, you're talking about the, the Stranglers and uh, the other bands like that coming out at that time. And I remember, you know, I was, I was going to the local uh, college, Robert and Michael as well. And on the jukebox, I remember they had the, the tubes, White Punks on Dope. That was the one that yeah. got played the most. But then the Jam and the Stranglers came to play, you know. And I think at the at the Jam, I lost my shoe. I went home with one shoe, you know, because we were all pogoing, of course, you know. And then um, the Stranglers, I got up on stage and danced with uh, Jean-Jacques, you know. So you that, didn't. Oh, I did. You did. <laughs> yeah. You dared to go on stage with Jean-Jacques yeah, yeah. Bernard. Yeah, well, you know. But he's he, killed people for less than I know, that. I know, but he was, he was quite friendly to me, which was nice, you know. And uh, oh, you had a way about you already. See, that was it, you know. Yeah, yeah it was fun. You were definitely, definitely destined to be the drummer in the band because <laughs> yeah. you were the guy they say, Lol, you just go up and, and sort out, like, because we need our kit on there and we need, to, we need, so yeah. push you out forward. Yeah, it's okay because he, he got on stage with Jean Jacques Bernal. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, and lived. Nice. <laughs> it was a great gig. And uh, and then they had other bands that came that were probably not so prominent yeah uh, elvis costello had some great posters and great imagery yeah and i bought some of his early singles yeah but it was there was something too too desperately contrived about it i right. don't know it was a, you know this year's model it was a yeah. classic yeah. in many ways yeah but um for me as a young uh, wannabe, right? You know, it, I was about to say when you when the Stranglers came to town, your your college, yeah, um, and the Jam, th there was something menacing that came with them. I I don't know what it was. Mm. There was a, something in the air, something like uh, there was a you know anything could happen. There was there was a kind of feeling of we're not sure. We've heard about this band, but like. I don't think it's going to be like the last band that we see, like the Fabulous Poodles, right? Or Sad right. Cafe, or yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the bands on, that were doing the circuit. A little, a little later on, not very much later on, but maybe about the same time, the Clash actually came. But they didn't play our college because they were bigger than that. 
So I was going to ask yeah. you, when, when was the first time you saw The Clash? You got the album. When do you, yeah. when do you see They them? played at uh, Crawley Leisure Centre, which is very... Well, sounds, sounds completely wrong, but, yeah. but we know different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If, you know, every band had to do, like, play at least one gig at, at like, some, some town centre's top rank. Yeah. It was like that. So they played. This is where your mum, your mum went to play bingo. Yes, <laughs> bingo, and there was and there was like a swimming pool and a few things. But it basically, it was a faceless, um, you know, sort of neo brutalist building stuck in the middle of Crawley. And so we went, and yeah. we should have known what was going on on the way there because you know there was policemen lining the whole street all the way down to the. There you go. I think you just put your finger right right there. Yeah, the police were really active because the the tabloids had made such a thing of it yeah that there was like the build-up was like there's going to be trouble yeah if the clash or the pistols are involved or the stranglers yeah there's going to be trouble something's going to go down and they almost made it so yeah i think so because we got in and and on that tour which i think not on that date but i think on some of the other dates the slits actually played but it was like it was uh, the specials opened and then, yes. and then suicide, and then See, the clash. Yeah, you know. So, the slits, yeah. the specials, suicide. Yeah, I mean, they were just trouble. Just yes. trouble anyway. Yes, yes. <laughs> when the clash played, you know, and the huge, you know, beer monster got up on stage and and socked Alan Vega. You know, because you know the the, the suicide show was kind of confrontational. I think at that point. Oh, right? definitely. And um, yeah. You know, I think Joe came out, or, or it might have even been Jimmy Percy. No, Jimmy Percy came out at the end, some somewhere. He'd, okay. he'd figured a, a, a way to get in to the conversation. But um, I think Joe came out and told the, the skinheads to, A, get off the top of the PA because it was going to, you know, fall down and kill yeah. people. And, uh, you know, even if you don't like them, you know, you've got to respect the fact that they're uh, uh, guests and opening, you know, so get off the stage anyway. And they sort of simmered down. But it was, like you say, this sort of undercurrent of uh, violence, really, which was not now, great. Was, was Topper? Topper, Topper was playing, yeah. Topper was playing. He was in the band yeah. by this, yeah. Yeah. So the sound was pretty. Uh, I mean, I, I I saw the the clash first at Eric Eric's. Yeah. They came down to Eric's in Liverpool. Yeah, the, the attitude was key. The attitude was a good seventy five percent of it for sure. Yeah, and I mean, as long as you made a sort of joyful or or un, not joyful noise, you know, then it'd be all right. But um, yeah, the attitude was a great deal. They they were amazingly well prepared they must have been playing a, a lot of gigs yeah. the sound was great when you know almost living in a place like eric's a, a club that we you know you'd see everybody play there it right. was quite noticeable who'd got it down and who hadn't the ramones sounded were so loud it pinned you to the back wall it right. was a small place but i always remember the 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 depth the the I wouldn't have been able to use words like the, you know the dynamic distance between his snare drum and his bass drum, right. but I do now. Yeah, it was the bass drum was really low and the snare drum was really heart bright. Yeah, and I remember like things like police and thieves. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. It was just, yeah. it was just everything was just perfectly right. Sorry. And of course. Joe, Joe just kind of like oh yeah, just couldn't tell a word. Run, running around the stage, and uh, so let me ask you something. At that point, mm. did um, did 
Topper have the the headlamps on the front of the kit. Do you remember those? So that uh, he looked like he was driving this huge car down the street. <laughs> no, I, I didn't see that because yeah. the first kit I remember seeing Topper was when the Slits, who I then joined, right. were opening for the Clash, and he had the uh, aluminium kit that I think he bought himself. I right. think there's a storage around that kit. Right. It, it wasn't a pearl kit that was given to him. He actually went uh, to like Mickey Foots in Golden Square, uh, yeah. or or Rod Argent's shop, yeah. and um and, and and saw this kit in the window and went, "That's the kit I want." Yeah, shiny metallic finish. Yeah, I uh, I must have I must have had a look at that because a couple of years later, when I started playing, uh, my kit after the Roadstorm kits was a a nice shiny uh, metallic pearl kit. That I made them give yeah. me. They made they gave it to me, so that was nice, you know. But um, yeah. <laughs> see, that's that's because you were on stage with Jean Jacques Bernal. That's right. That's what they gave it. You walked on and went, "Hello, I'm going to have a dance." Curious Creatures is created and presented by Lol Tolhurst and Budgie. Producer Joe Wong. Producer and audio designer Dan Didier. Executive producer Mark Cates. Associate producer Sophie Wild. Digital marketing. Margie Taylor. Art and logo design, Justin Thomas K. Music production, Jackknife Lee. Curious Creatures is on the web and you can access us at www.curiouscreaturespodcast.com. And you can reach us on Instagram and Facebook at Curious Creatures Official, Twitter at Cure Creatures. To find more of the best music podcasts, visit doubleelvis.com. Or follow at Double Elvis on Instagram or at Double Elvis on Twitter. Curious Creatures is a production of LXB LLC 2022.